Hello and welcome to the One L Two N podcast. Let's get ready to rumble. I am Amy, and I am joined by some very silly people today, including Missy, Hi, <laughs> Mike, uh, <hi>. Tommy, <laughs> and our incredibly surprised super special guest, Liam. Yo. <laughs> And we are a family of weirdos and a group of creatives going through the story writing process, and we're bringing you along for the ride. So let's hop into it. Hello, everyone. And I'm excited that everyone can make it today. Hi, Amy. How Um, are you doing today? (laughs) I've taken so many naps this weekend. I'm either dying or super lazy. (laughs) Why can't it be both? A little bit of both. Both? Yeah. (laughs) Double whammy. <laughs> I will take that. Thank you. Yeah, don't deny yourself. Yeah. <laughs> don't deny myself. Yeah, I've just been really tired this weekend. So, ditto. I don't know. I started my last year of school this week. My last year of this school. Yeah. So it's Yay! just going to be exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're just going to talk about academics from here on out? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, mainly how um how doomed we are as oh, a no. species. Um, it's like half the papers I have to read for my class are all like, Hey, you know, climate change is actually real. And here is why we're doomed. Uh, So it's You have an exciting year ahead of you. It sounds super uplifting and really motivational. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to, uh, going to high five everybody I meet and go, you know, you need one because everybody does. (laughs) I mean, high fives are great, but. But we're also in a secondary crisis called a pandemic. Maybe yeah. just air fives. No, 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 no. Elbow no. nudges. We all know. Oh, those are fun. COVID nineteen is not <laughs> real. It's a, it's a conspiracy Don't, theory. It was you, actually no. COVID eighteen, <laughs> and it's been uh, hiding yeah. all along. It's the one we, that's the one we got to worry about. Come on. And and I think that COVID nineteen got a bad rap. <laughs> How so? <laughs> Um, because it's actually COVID eighteen. That is the the truest conspiracy out there. Is that COVID eighteen was the one that is causing all this like problems, and everybody's like, let's just blame it on nineteen. And nineteen's like, whoa, what did I do? So if I'm hearing you correctly, if we tell people that we actually have the vaccines for COVID eighteen instead of COVID nineteen, we might be able to get more of the population vaccinated. No, no, because uh, vaccines are made out of mercury and science, and we don't trust mercury or science. Come on. Okay. I mean, what if mercury's in retrograde? <laughs> <laughs> she got you there. How do I kick uh, her off this podcast? No, 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 no. You can't kick me. So, I mean, you can, but please don't. <laughs> so ultimately, Mike's message is uh, the world is doomed because of climate change. And the only way to make sure humans uh, don't completely die out due to climate change is if we kill them all with COVID first. (laughs) That would be nice. Actually, that is like a prevailing (laughs) conspiracy theory right now is that for some reason, the vaccine is going to kill people in like two years. And it's just a way to mass depopulate the population and that, you know, some elite group of people made this vaccine and this covid thing to depopulate the earth very easily which to me just screams of crazy because whenever you have massive conspiracy theories like somebody's gonna leak it like you you can't be that all powerful all knowing entity without somebody going like guess what i worked on (laughs) exactly please don't tell anybody but 
we're going to kill everybody. Like, somebody's going to do that. When it but comes to the these... thing is they were the first infected. <laughs> when it comes to oh crazy conspiracy gosh. theories, greed will always win out because somebody involved on some level is going to try to capitalize on on their information. And of course, there are plenty of sources you could run to and say, "Hey, I know this crazy thing. Here's my proof." Boom, and you could make tons of money off it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, conspiracy theories also strive or sorry, survive off of um, like what? Two things. Uh, One, the people that are running the conspiracy have to be like all knowing and all powerful. Um, Mm -hmm. But two, they also have to be stupid enough that somebody else found out. So they have to be Mm -hmm. like the best and the worst at what they're doing at the same time. And it's only the person that found it out through their quote unquote research. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. they just topple out. They're smarter. So. My my thing is, I always love when, like, conspiracy theories, there's, like, a lot around, like, aliens and stuff, and and I love how movies have always shown, like, oh, if if the world, if the mass population were to find out that aliens were real, they would go apeshit, they would lose their minds, they would be, like, like the world would start burning down because people would riot or whatever, and then the government was like, hey, by the way, aliens are real, and everyone's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> we told you and i i just love that when there when there's like a conspiracy theory that's like finally like confirmed everyone's like yeah we know it's fine move on next conspiracy theory well because then it's no longer a conspiracy it's it's out in the light so yeah. it's no longer a sense of i have information that the general public does not and that You're no longer oh, special. yeah that is the key to a conspiracy theory is that Whoever has discovered it has special knowledge and they are not the sheeple. They are the free thinkers. And it just is, it's a way to empower somebody who typically has a weaker mind. And I I don't want to like generalize that, um, but it's a way for them to, to think that they have something that other people don't. And it's a way to feel important. So I want to take back the idea of a a weaker mind because that's not necessarily the case because I know a bunch of people who are incredibly intelligent that do get caught up in conspiracy theories. So that can be a catch to as well as intelligent people can also fall. I don't want to use the term victim, but in a way victim to these conspiracy theories. And they don't recognize that it's a conspiracy because they are an intelligent human being. They simply got hung up on this one thing. So yeah, it convinces them even more that this has to be true because I am a super smart person. Yeah. Mm, yeah. What's everyone's uh, favorite conspiracy theory? Oh, the moon landing by far. It's. Oh, so... I just can't believe you believe in the moon. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We didn't land on the moon. The moon landed on Earth and then we walked on it. I, so I'm I remember a watching yeah, a like a Fox sense. TV special in like early 2000s <laughs> or something about how the moon landing was faked. And it was on like primetime TV and it was just some crazy special. And it was the over the top, like, we know this is ridiculous, but here's the theory. And like after that, it, the theory exploded or was like, oh, my God, I believe this. And I think it was just, uh, you know, them testing out like how stupid of programming can we have that everybody's <laughs> like, you got you got to watch this. But hmm. that that's probably my favorite conspiracy or one of them, at least one of them. Ooh, yes. I mean, I, so here's a great example of why, you know, even thinking about it now, I used to believe in like a lot of the 9-11 conspiracy theories. I was like, oh my God, I I was one of those people who are like, did you know 
that jet fuel jet fuel <laughs> <laughs> yeah steel beams jet fuel not compatible right i thought i had special knowledge and i was like i'm enlightened and i can't believe all these other people don't see it but then you know you very quickly like if you just open yourself up to a tiny amount of being wrong you go oh yeah i realize like okay it doesn't melt steel beams but it does make them a hell of a lot wobblier metal that's bendy and supporting things usually makes it fall over yeah Yeah. bendy metal no good for support (laughs) my My, oh sorry no i'm going fuck you my favorite (laughs) (laughs) my favorite and i've told this to you guys before but the whole reason why um covid19 was a thing anyways is so that they could uh, introduce quarantine so that everyone could stay inside so that the government could change the battery and all of the birds <laughs> is like my favorite conspiracy theory it's a good one <laughs> it's a good one my although favorite that is one easily is... sorry it. It, real quick it's easily debunked because birds recharge on power lines everybody knows that yep yeah but they were they they do recharge on power lines. However, this is an upgraded batteries to make, you know, oh, it's like longer a longer flight. Ooh. Yeah, Better longer drones. flight. It's, yeah, so they don't have to stay. They don't have to charge as long. Oh, that's awesome. You know? Oh, Tom, what's your so favorite conspiracy awesome. theory? I'm really trying to think. Like, I know I have some wacky ones in the back of my head, but I'm really trying mm. to think of some. And Liam? I, oh. <laughs> Good question. Oh. Liam is a conspiracy yeah, theory. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, what do you what do you want, Missy? What's your So my favorite conspiracy theory is the ancient astronaut theory. I absolutely love it. It's so fascinating. It's so great. It's the idea that extraterrestrial intelligent life has visited the Earth in the past, in like the age of antiquity. So like your ancient Greek, your ancient Egyptian time frame, and then and or before that, so like 30,000, 36,000 years ago, um, when, you know, prehistoric times. And they take all kinds of sites and all kinds of theories and ideas and passages from various ancient religious texts, and they all use it to kind of support this really big idea. And it's fascinating, and there's a lot of really convincing elements to it. It's like, okay, this seems so logical. Uh, but it's it's so great. It's amazing. Y'all should check it out sometime. Wait, so that aliens have already visited us? Yeah, but just they're no the past, longer here. They visited us way in the past. Oh. And like some of the theories say that ancient aliens actually created the human race uh, like 100,000 years ago or whenever it was that hmm. Homo sapiens mysteriously diverted from the branch. Uh, so there's that idea that through their superior genetic manipulation, they created us so that they had a slave workforce to mine for the minerals they needed here. Um, <laughs> other th- Idiots, we used all the minerals. <laughs> no, this is before we could even use them. Uh, and then others uh, say, like, the reason why we have so many inexplicable prehistoric or antiquity uh, monoliths like giant stone structures is because oh, yeah. of uh, ancient technology that was given to us by you know extraterrestrials there's a lot of stuff out there so, so basically aliens in history yeah aliens plus history yes. yeah basically aliens yeah basically aliens. basically yeah so 
so what I'm hearing is that you believe aliens was it aliens versus cowboys is actually more of a documentary. Yeah, aliens versus cowboys is or cowboys versus aliens. Cow- cowboys versus aliens is more of a um a part two. Like, hey, guess what? They came back. <laughs> no, no, no. The West was like ancient days, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> sure. yeah, yeah, you know what? Uh, judges, yeah, that checks out. I feel like though conspiracy theories, or at least from my time, since I'm like so young in the age of technology and all that bull crap, like there's so many different conspiracy theories that honestly just in one ear out the other at this point. It's like <laughs> that was a funny meme. Anyways, um, <laughs> that's how I that's feel true, about most yeah. of them. It's well, just like yeah, I feel that's how how flatter. you should approach most conspiracy theories. You should be like, that's funny. And move on. And if you do get caught up in one, you have to have the ability to say you were wrong or at mm-hmm. least open up yourself to the possibility that you're wrong, which is very difficult for like the human brain to do. Um, oh, but yeah. if you approach it as a joke to begin with, like this is not true. Ha ha ha. You know, it's, it's easier to approach. There's um, there's this guy who was like a, apparently a hardcore scientist and he was trying to debunk the whole flat earth thing because he was like these people are crazy and then he realized there's not enough science that backs flat earth which is why flat earth actually exists because the science there's hidden. too much science trying to back curved earth but not enough trying to back flat earth and that's because flat earth is real and curved earth isn't i was like what that's the opposite and he's like yeah it's because they're they're purposely not trying to prove mm-hmm. there's a flat earth. And so now he believes in flat earth. away from it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I've, I literally just listened to um, a podcast from Behind the Bastards on the, the flat earth bullcrap. And it is, it's just rough. It's so rough listening to people that they truly believe that the earth is flat. Like, yeah. I, but, but, what? Well, isn't it they the believe one half is flat and the other half is like curved or something like that? Oh, I hadn't heard that one. No, it's like a where the it's top not like a disc. That we're on is more of a disc, whereas like there might be some dimension underneath. But I don't believe in it, so I don't. <laughs> I haven't really researched it. Sorry, maybe I should research it and then I'll <laughs> believe in it. <sighs> Stay tuned next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do they have like flat Earth like hats or T-shirts? So I, I would I would buy one, I think. I mean, probably, probably the Flat Earth Society probably does. You could also probably just like make your own. Take like a globe, steamroll it, and then hang that up and be like, <laughs> look, it's Flat Earth. <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. You're like, this proves that this is, the Earth is flat. This is why the Earth so. is flat. Haven't they ever watched that Carl Sagan video explaining how, like, oh, God, what is it? It starts with an E ancient math- mathematician in like 400 bc determined the earth was round or bc mm-hmm. yeah in it was egypt i think euphrides to, I, I can't pronounce my own to name. figure out the degrees of angle because they were watching shadows and they're like something doesn't add up here man i'm glad that we've actually moved past that as a, as, a, as <laughs> take two man i'm glad that we've moved past that as a society like imagine having to come up with all of the theories and ideas today like technology already does that for me it's already invented it's <laughs> yeah, it's fine yeah. 
but having to be the ones to like stand around and look at shadows and be like, I think there's something here. People that just seems like a lot of bored. work. That's yeah. why. Amy, <laughs> yeah. as somebody who is currently getting a science degree and had to put <laughs> 10,000 flags into the ground this summer as an experiment, <laughs> just to experiment a tiny thing that is totally not over and never will be. No, it's over. Yeah, but but okay, as far as experiments go, like the big ones are out of the way. That's what I'm trying to say. I uh, don't think no. so. I know. I don't think. No, no, they're out of the oh, way. Sure. Math, we got that figured out. Yeah, I think it's just getting more complicated. Mm-hmm. No, it's fine. It's fine. Just let me be. <laughs> just let me be. Amy, so, how do you anyways, land on the moon? Yeah. Oh wait, never mind. Sorry, the moon is fake. I, <laughs> yeah, the moon. It, it doesn't exist. It's just a big old lamp in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> we are all in the Truman Show. Ah. Oh, I think that actually is a conspiracy. Well, I mean, th- there's the idea of that you are in a simulation, very much like the Matrix, and you know everything you do around you is determined by that simulation, which is not actually a conspiracy theory. I, I want to say it's like a full-on a theory about like yeah existential philosophical type of theories. Yeah, I you know yeah smart words that I don't know. Yeah, it is one of the possible theories of existence as opposed to conspiracy theories that yeah in some where we are all part of a simulation it's part of the uh, the fermi paradox it's one of the possible answers to the fermi paradox the fermi paradox i've literally never heard that <laughs> the fermi paradox asks the question if by scientific calculations there should be Lots of different advanced, intelligent extraterrestrial societies out there just in our galaxy. Why have we not encountered any definitive evidence of them, right? Why haven't we received any kind of radio signals? Oh, yeah. Been visited by them, any of that, right? So there's lots of different highly scientific answers to that, that paradox, that question, right? One of them is, in fact, because it's possible that we are existing within a simulation of some species. And therefore in the simulation, there are no other extra advanced species to interact with. Interesting. Another one is that we're in like a cosmological zoo. So like we've been roped off for other species to observe a more primitive culture as it develops. And so nobody's allowed to interact with us so that they don't accidentally contaminate our development. What was it? Don't tap on the glass, guys. <laughs> don't tap on the glass. Isn't there like part of that? And I've read this a bunch of times and always forgotten that there is like a great barrier that civilizations need to like breach in order to see um, other civilizations. And the idea is that either um, no other civilization has or that like so few have that it just reduces the numbers. Yes. So it's the idea that kind of like with the prime directive in Star Trek, that nobody's supposed to interact with the more primitive societies until they reach a certain point of advanced technology. No, Um, no. That there's some kind of rule put in place that, extraterrestrial civilizations will not interact with other civilizations until they've reached a point where they match a certain type of technological level. No, that, that's not what I'm, uh, though it's called the great filter. And it's basically 
there is some reason why a civilization can't get off the planet to meet other civilizations. So the great filter could oh. be that there's too much distance between it, that mm-hmm. um, we don't have enough resources to actually get to another civilization, um, mm-hmm. that civilizations might kill each other off with, through war before they do it. So that sort of thing where there's some filter that we can't figure out that all civilizations kind of go through and some of them break through and they can communicate mm-hmm. with each other's and then others like just can't. The majority of them can't. It's kind yeah, of like the c- idea like if you plant a thousand seeds, not a thousand plants are going to grow. Right. It kind of goes hand in hand with a the theory that most civilizations will never get past a certain point because civilizations inherently will self-destruct, whether it's through the technological development process that brings about a shift in climate that destroys their planet or through conflict where they destroy their planet, you know, like nuclear war and whatnot, or through accident that they just screw up as they're trying to develop. That for whatever reason, most civilizations and in some versions of the theory, no civilization can get past the point of self-destruction. Kind of seems like the game developers don't want us to go past the boundary lines. Right? Yeah, it's exactly. Oh, oh my gosh, you're well, right. I can it's see it. past That's this. It. Why can't I move past it? It's almost like we are at that great filter right now. And mm-hmm. the great filter is the fact that we're blaming COVID-19 on everything. And it was actually COVID-18. <laughs> full circle. <laughs> full circle. And there it is. Well, I think we've solved existence, guys. Yep. Good yep. job. Wait, but now that we have the knowledge, what do we do with the knowledge? Oh, nothing, because nobody's going to listen to us because we're a bunch of crackpots on a tiny podcast that just want to tell stories instead of, you know, That's, doing that. We're just we rambling about conspiracy theories. to make amazing stories. Um. Um? Well said, Liam. <laughs> well said. Special guest, Liam. Okay, Everybody well, hand a round of applause. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Well, speaking of stories, uh, this week I kind of wanted to talk about stories like we normally do. But this time I want to talk about specifically jaw-dropping moments within stories. And it can be, you know, again, movies, TV show, books, whatever. But a moment that just kind of was like, (laughs) whether it's a good (laughs) or a bad, (laughs) either way, you're going. (laughs) And... um, (laughs) Sorry, like I just that. thought that would be funny. Uh, yeah, either way, uh, it's it's kind of jaw dropping. Yes, you can you can cover your mouth at that moment, whatever. It's just kind of a moment that that blew you away that was completely unexpected. Um, mine that I've been wanting to talk about is uh, National Treasure. Um, oh. When I first saw that movie. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was so fun. I love I love stories like that where, okay, you have to find the clue. Oh, and it goes over here and they have to go get this clue. Oh, and now it's over here. And I, I felt like when watching that movie, you know, they were going to find some sort of treasure. I thought it was going to be like, the treasure was the friendship all along. <laughs> um, or something, you know, done like that. Something cheesy. Something cheesy, but I was still so intrigued because it was such a really good movie. It was, I thought it was really well done. So when they get into the treasure room, you're like, that's so cool. They like found it. I'm so happy. I'm so proud. But the jaw dropping moment for me is when Nicolas Cage is like, hmm, what's this? This is weird. And he lights mm. the pyre and 
the the I don't know the trough of oil or whatever gets ignited and then it fills an entire other like football stadium full of just like lost treasure and history and knowledge and to me that was like the most amazing jaw-dropping moment uh that I can ever remember like anytime like I think about surprises in movies that moment I just remember being filled with so much awe and wonder and just being like there's more this is amazing yeah I I just love that moment so I wanted to see if anyone else kind of had like those moments as well and and uh yeah, see see what you guys thought. It's a good movie. Yeah, it is a good movie. Yeah, and even in the you know I was gonna say even the second one was really good, but I don't remember a lot of what the second one had to do about. I just remember also enjoying the second one. Yeah. They- Looks like I gotta go back and watch them. <laughs> the second one, one they better, they had but... to find a treasure that was also oh hidden. did they? <laughs> oh okay. Wait. No way. Beneath no. some national monuments and stuff. No, there was no, clues. no, that's that's not right. <laughs> it couldn't be right. That was the plot well, of the first was... one. They went this time it was like an plot. Aztec. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This time it was like an Aztec treasure, wasn't it? It was a Native American, but oh, oh, oh. They basically took okay, cool. some real life lore and mixed it with some real life actual things that had happened in South America and ah. threw it into uh, North America because, you know, all the great history stuff happened in North America. So. Nothing else ev- awesome ever happened in any other country. Just America. My most recent jaw-dropping moment was in Game of Thrones. Um, oh, yeah. Well, she's going she's to <laughs> steal forgot. mine, isn't she? I she's forgot about Game mine. of Thrones. I, totally. <laughs> probably going to steal Liam's, but... I'm not going to have one. Shit. I don't remember the name of the episode, but it's the episode... Liam will probably know. Liam, it's the episode where they exp- uh, explode it's the... At season 6, episode 10, The Winds of Winter. The Winds of oh, Winter. Nerd. Okay. It's the moment where after all of that craziness has just gone yeah, down and you're trying to absorb what's just <laughs> happened, and then Tommen takes his crown off, doesn't say a word, it's silent, and he just walks just out the window. himself. Yeah, oh my gosh. I actually <laughs> had my hands over my mouth in that and I was just shocked. And I used to look at Liam, I'm like oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing when I watched it. I'm it was sorry. such a good scene. I'll let Liam run was, with anything I was, more with that. I I could not believe what I saw. I was like, after all of that, they're gonna drop that too. Yeah, that massive yeah. explosion, all those characters dying. They're like, Yeah, Tom's going to another king gone. No warning That's or build up to his either. Yeah, like the other Which, ones, it was one shot time building up. It was just like, Oh, by the way, boom. That's why I think Game of Thrones kept so many people enthralled because you never knew who was going to die or what was going to happen. You just knew, like, Yeah, someone's probably going to die, but then, like, how they die or when they die or where they die or whatever it was always just so like. <laughs> yeah and i think that it made for really good television i was gonna say except for the last two seasons no one really had well, yeah. some like plot armor which was what was baffling you're like i don't know which main character is gonna die i'm scared <laughs> yeah you could never fall in love with a character because you're like this is a bad sign if i love this character they're they're about to be offed i know it <laughs> I, but i think that's what made me love characters on game of thrones even more 
even ones I like totally disagreed with, I just found that the characters like could be killed at any point. So I cherished the time that I had with it. Well, look at you being a little optimist. Um, no, I mean, really though, like yeah. I, f- for me, if, if we're looking at jaw dropping moments, it was when Ned Stark died because I was like, wait, he, that's the main character. They can't do that. And I had no idea it was going to happen. So it was super shocking to me just uh, that they killed the main character. You can't do that. That's a weagle. But after that moment, I was like, oh, okay, this is an anything goes sort of show. Well, it definitely sets this the uh, precedent, I think, of like, hey, this is how we're going to have this show go. Yeah. It's, it's not anything you're going to expect. And like that part when the dragon got killed with a crossbow, my jaw dropped. I was like, what? This doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a, that's called a head scratching moment. It's a little different. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, my jaw dropped in like I, I don't understand. Are you telling me a dragon got fooled by some clouds? God. <laughs> yes. Apparently, yeah. Uh, dragon got three sixteen no scoped out of nowhere. <laughs> Thing was down in seconds. But then you know, I think that they they couldn't kill a, a dragon with like oh, four. Oh yeah. Them. No, so, more like four hundred. Yeah. yeah. Four thousand, if anything. Yeah, it's probably anyway. better than clouds. Yeah, <laughs> that was the real jaw dropper. Was how bad the show wound up being. Yeah, it's like how did you ruin it so bad? How do you ruin like such an amazing show that much? Disney, <laughs> true. Yeah, anything. Disney. Disney can ruin anything. And with a wave of my checkbook, I can ruin it all. <laughs> that was me being Disney. Thank you, Disney. Uh, it's not a checkbook. It's a magic wand. Same thing. In Disney's opinion, same thing. Disney's like, bibbity bobbity buh bye Or bibbity bobbity buying you off. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, thank you, thank you. I think um, what's interesting about jaw-dropping moments is how they come about. It's, it's not just the unexpected, but it's like the build-up to the unexpected. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like you you know something's going to happen or like, you know, with with National Treasure, you knew they were going to find something and they did and they found something and you're like, that's amazing. That's great. So your expectation was like, are they going to find something? Are they not going to find something? And they found something. And you're like, perfect. But then to find more on top of that, mm-hmm. that I think is what causes or creates sort of those, you know, jaw dropping moments is like. Just like that that scene in Game of Thrones you were talking about. It was like, you had all of this stuff happen, so clearly that's it. They already had all these major events happen. And then to have even more on top of that happen, you're like, okay. what? <laughs> like, I, prestige as well, I think is also another jaw-dropping moment for Such me. That's a great move. Is like, you knew the trick was going to be revealed, but then it gets revealed and you're like, wait a minute, what? I think on both accounts, on on how both of them do it i i find them really interesting and i love because i'm also kind of person when i'm watching movies or or reading books i try to figure out okay how is this going to end how is Mm -hmm. this going to you know be written out be told how how is this going to happen and so when they can trick you when when they can circumvent your expectations i love that i love being surprised because i can usually figure things out because things are usually pretty cut and paste 
uh, in a lot of stories. So when a story isn't cut and paste, I love that. I love those jaw-dropping moments. Yeah, I mean, definitely element and surprise is the biggest aspect to any kind of jaw-dropping moment. But it also has to be in a, a non-cheesy way um, where, oh, especially yeah. if you're looking at a twist for a movie, then you have to have all of the elements. Like, the good thing that makes a twist is the elements were already there and the twist just recontextualizes the movie and the story that you just watched Mm. whereas with a a jaw-dropping moment like like you're describing in national treasure that just has to be something of of awe and wonder and you can see where they would leave the story at that point saying okay somebody else stole this treasure let's just keep chasing after it and you're like okay it's not what i wanted but i guess it's fine but then but when the they, they actually it reveal it, you feel excited too. Yeah. When like, they actually okay, reveal it, it, it's like, it's, it's a bonus. You're like, Hey, remember when you were kind of disappointed, but you accepted it. Now you get to be excited again. It's like a double pinnacle. Do you think stories have to have those, those surprise elements, those twists, those jaw Hell droppers? Like, do no. you think they have to have those? No. I, I think that if you try to force it into a story, it can really ruin it. And especially if you're somebody like I love most of Christopher Nolan's movies, but I kind of am coming to expect a sort of magical twist or something to happen to do that sort of recontextualization to try and drop your jaw. Whereas a lot of times you just don't need that. You can just tell a good story. If it has it, yes, it might make that piece of media stick out in a much better way. But if you're always doing it, um, like if you're like M. Night Shyamalan, like every single movie he has a twist in. So you're looking for it the whole time, which means you won't be like watching what's going on and then recontextualizing. You'll try to figure it out as you go. And it makes that moment not as special while you actually have it. So it, it eliminates the element of surprise when you have it in every story. I don't know. I feel like Stuart Little didn't have a massive twist. But and I shall on to that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That was the twist. That, that is the twist. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Wow. I, yeah. I didn't yeah. But he also did, did Avatar. Exactly. He did a lot of. Did he? The Airbender. No, James Cameron. Oh, the last. That Airbender. was a terrible <laughs> yeah. movie. Tommy, don't ever see that. I know that you love. Oh no, I I am not going to. Because I know it's just gonna. Uh, well, maybe it won't ruin it. Maybe it'll make me appreciate the original even more. <laughs> I think if you go in knowing that it's going to be terrible, then it's okay. You can make a drinking game out of it, you know? Yeah. I will buy you a bag of cookies if you watch it and record your reaction to watching it. Okay. <laughs> like Not cookies. a package of cookies. I was like, free cookies? Oh, oh, yeah. Cookies. Oh, no, it's also- definitely going to be a bag. <laughs> there's there's no, like, any. you have to have bags of cookies. Can I have bagged milk as well? With uh, yes, I can get you back. Don't bag your own milk. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does it have to be a cow? Um, <laughs> almonds, almonds or cow? <laughs> Those are your two stipulations. Um, I could probably get you bag milk. All right, nice. Have you guys had any like all like the the jaw dropping moments that that didn't come at a twist? Huh. Do you, do you have like an example? I actually, I have one that is not really a twist, but I don't think any of you have seen it besides Amy. Um, it's a what is it? Godzilla versus Kong. It was a, a, a visual <laughs> moment actually, oh. and it was oh, like I've holy seen that movie. shit. Have you? Oh yeah. Oh, 
see, I thought it was the CG in that movie was like, whoo. Um, basically, when they go into like the center of the earth, which is so stupid, but when they go there, I was like, holy crap, like this is gorgeous. Like, I've never had CG like stop me and be like, oh my goodness, this is beautiful. What am I looking at right now? That that's what one of those moments were. It wasn't a twist at all. I was just like, I love the way this looks right now. Visual awe instead of content awe. Yeah, that was it was that movie did that a lot of times for me. I was like, oh, this is so cool. It was like me as a child. Like, that's how I felt the movie was. I was like how I imagined things as a child. And uh, all the visuals in that movie were fantastic. I think when it comes to content moments of shock. Not all of them I would categorize as a, as a twist, because a plot twist is truly when something's going in one direction, they set it up for one direction, or they don't necessarily set it up in any direction. It's just based on how things are going, you're kind of expecting whatever, and then boom, change in the plot direction. You're like, whoa, yeah. what just happened? Whereas other times, you know, a character can get killed off, and it's not a plot twist. It's no, just I, I, I was shock saying because a character gets, you know, killed I, off. I, I thought I distinguished that, but I guess no, if I did, that wasn't then... to you. That oh, was, okay. that wasn't directed to you. That was more just an overall comment. Like you know, Tommy was asking us, did we have a moment in a movie that wasn't like a twist? So for me, I would say the one I brought up about Game of Thrones that wasn't a plot twist that Tommen killed himself. It just was shocking and unexpected. I guess I uh, I should have included the whole shock aspect because i i feel like I, I do actually feel like that that game of thrones moment was a bit of a twist though but a twist changes the plot itself whereas a character dying doesn't necessarily change the plot at least in that oh, particular yeah, moment it doesn't change the intended effect of the plot Aren't we like well, it, they had already been established all of her children were going to die I think it was still. Yes, I'm just saying that that entire moment was a twist. Not just that was a twist. Not just only Tom and dying. Like that entire moment, because I was not expecting that entire scene. Actually, was kind of a twist because you're like expecting Cersei to go to the castle and to to or to the church and I don't remember the Temple of the Seven or whatever and face you know punishment and she's not going (laughs) and you're starting to realize something's happening and. You don't know exactly what it is. And even when you realize what it is, mm-hmm. you don't expect it to happen. You expect it to stop. So it, it, it's it's a very slow twist in the way that it happens because she has been losing nonstop. And all of a sudden she comes back and wins over everybody all at once. And then also loses again. Yeah. <laughs> she still loses because her son dies. Yeah. Saying, I, don't, yeah. I don't think the death of Tom is a plot twist. No, his simply an death, unexpected moment. I think his death is is a, a unexpected moment within a plot twist. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I mean, it is kind of a plot twist because Cersei becomes queen when he dies, which is a very big Well, what she was going to do anyways. Yeah, it doesn't... There's nothing about him dying that changes anything inherent within the plot itself. I mean, I would say it would, but nah, it's I my think personal it's just opinion. So. Well, your opinion's wrong! <laughs> <laughs> that was said so strongly. Yeah. Well, you, sometimes you need to be nice and strict. 
I don't know. Now I'm just trying to think of like m- <laughs> movies that I've seen that like visually blew me away. Well, in the, I, I can tell you saying. one moment I had, you know, I'm going to be the one to do it this week. Uh, it was in, um, it was in Infinity War. And Michael, <laughs> <laughs> we promise. <laughs> I, I just, I, just this specific moment when it, it and the reason why I, I'm saying it was suddenly draw dropping is because it was a great combination of visuals and score at the right momentum when it happened, and it is uh, right in the the big battle in Wakanda when Thor comes in. Because the score picks up and builds to this, like you see the axe flying throughout and the way that the score is like building, building, and then he catches it and the Avengers theme comes in. And when it's sort of like all elements unite all at once, and then he jumps up in the air and everything darkens and he becomes super lightning blue. And it's just like a crescendo of visuals and action and audio all at once. And that for me was just a really great jaw dropping moment of like, yes, this is awesome. And I don't know why that moment sticks out so much for me visually, but I think it's because all of those elements came together. Mm. It's so interesting how much music has a big pull on moments like that. I know that that's kind of what we want to do here is we want to incorporate music into storytelling, but I feel like a lot of these moments wouldn't be as impactful if we didn't have amazing music to go along with it. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think music uh, is a, an emotional glue, and I like saying glue a bunch, but it really kind of is. It holds everything together in the actual scene. But right now, I'm personally working on the cursing tree, and I'm trying to... Uh, create a score for it and i have gotten about four minutes into the score in the intro and i think i'm gonna scrap it all and it took about you know a couple days to like get it going but i realized that there is not that combination of introductory uh part to this world and it just doesn't have the right emotional like contextual ability and i can already hear the score that's going to go on like the last half of it and those two won't stick together it will be a, a weird sort of transition between them so I, I really think that composers don't often get enough praise for doing the work that you don't know is going on for all those parts oh, yeah. in movies and in um, in TV shows. I, I mean, so a great example that we've already been talking about is that season six, episode 10 of Game of Thrones, that whole first section, the music to that in those first 10 minutes is a beautiful piece of music that really sets a wonderful mood and brings it all together. And it it was, I can't pronounce his name. Tom, what is it? Ramen noodles. It's ramen ramen noodles. Because oh, we're God. I've tried to figure out how to pronounce his name. I've looked up yeah. like how do you pronounce it? YouTube videos, and it's all wrong. Well, I I can't hmm. pronounce the composer's name. He's incredibly talented. He did Westworld. Oh, yeah. He did. He's done a whole bunch of stuff, um, and a bunch of movies and stuff. But that specific score for him, which I think is called something of the seven, light of the seven, light of the seven. Yeah, there you go. It's a great example of how it is doing so much work to hold everything together and to set the tone. And if you don't set that right to begin with, then I don't think you're going to have. Well, I I guess you can't really set it right to begin with because oftentimes composers go in after everything's already done and then work. So I don't know. Yeah. They have to interpret the tone that is needed. 
So this actually brings up another question that I have, totally different from jaw-dropping moments, uh, but it has to do with musicals. Um, so I've been listening to a lot of musical music this week, and I feel like as I'm listening to these songs, I get chills every time. Uh, and, and I don't know what it is. It's nothing like profound in the words that they're saying. But all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, all these chills. And I'm like, just all comes together. It's all in this beautiful fruition of just like, oh, this is perfect. It's so good. And I was thinking about that, about how musicals are literally so driven by the music itself that I wonder, do you get chills from and and I don't know how many of you guys listen to to musicals. I know Missy, you've listened to to some music. Um, mm -hmm. so maybe this is just me. <laughs> <laughs> but how how much of that music is because it's specifically engineered to give you chills, or how much of it is just like psychosomatic? Uh, I mean, I think any really great composer will especially when it comes to musicals because musicals is a totally different thing than when you're talking about film or tv or anything um because oh, from okay. well, we i mean we can scrap no no it's, it's, it's totally fine this is a great transition so yeah music are, 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 are a totally different thing and what sets it apart is that they have to think about the audience and how they're going to be receiving stuff they're going to think about how the singers have to perform it. They're going to have to think about um, the chorus. The lyrics are incredibly important. And when you think about a, a film or TV score, they film everything first. And then maybe they have like a layer of sound effects come in um, and, you know, they do some um, audio design in general and just sound design for the world. And then the composer comes in almost last and says, all right, here is the music for it. Whereas a musical, it is the, the the point of it is to have these big showy singy sections that really move you emotionally as an audience member. So oftentimes they will have just a basic plot outline that is um, set forward and then they will come in and write songs based upon that plot outline and then go back and, you know, fully finish everything. So, yes, it is. It's a different beast, but you can absolutely get chills from it when you listen to it i i personally love the song um put on your sunday best it's in uh hello dolly um or sorry put on your sunday clothes not sunday best yeah and it's specifically because right near the end of the chorus when uh or the whole end of the song everybody's singing together it's this giant crescendo um it's something i when i write songs i do quite a bit or i like doing is a build up for music so it's an emotional journey and then it kind of like settles there's there's the climax and then there's the resolve and the resolve's usually quicker but there's definitely that that build up and that wonderful full feeling that you get and musicals do that in a totally different way because they integrate the lyrics the acting the dancing everything all at once which is good yeah it's definitely yeah. musicals are definitely designed to give you chills uh or at least maybe not they're not going after the exact feel of like a, a chilling feeling, but they're they're definitely designed to awe you, in my opinion. I, I guess for for me, the one I always go back to in musicals is oh man, Star Kid. I'm trying to think of the name. It's one the the bug one, Emi. What's the name of that one? Isn't it Star Star Kid? Starship. Or Starship. Starship. It's named Starship. It's kick it up okay. a notch. 
where they're like going over their like evil plan and everything. Oh, it's a and good then song. all of a sudden you just hear like the piano kick in and then like slowly in the background, the rest of the instruments kick in as they break out into song. Like that gives me chills because it's something you're not necessarily expecting to like for them to just kick out into the into song right then and there but they do and then the singers are just like oh it's all it all comes together and it's because it's all supposed to always come together like each department working on their own thing mm. are working together as well to make the music the singing the story all come together i i can give a, a great example of two of why musicals work on a totally different level is because you are you are in that moment I have seen The Lion King um, as a kid countless times. I mean, we watched it over and over and over again on VHS, and it was it's a great. I mean, Elton John like has some amazing songs that he writes with um, Tim Rice, who is a, a lyrical composer. He's also done a bunch of musical stuff um, with Andrew Lloyd Webber, and um, it, he, it's, it's awesome songs, and they're really cool. And when I saw it on Broadway, I was I was actually just not really excited to see The Lion King. And it might have been one of the greatest things I've ever seen performance wise, because they took this wonderful music. They put a pit orchestra in there, which just makes it very lively and loud. And it's right around you at all times. They had all these visuals. It was like you were sitting in the movie you watched as a child and it. It actually goes back to this, Amy. I unexpectedly jo- like dropped my jaw when I was watching The Lion King on Broadway because I was like, oh my God, this is totally way more intense than I would have ever imagined. And if it wasn't for a you know, Grammy, I'm assuming, I'm just going to go ahead out there and say Elton John's won a Grammy. And if he hasn't, he's won one in my heart. Uh, so a Grammy winning, um, uh, you know, musician writing songs with an absolute like wonderful lyricist and, you know, a backing score that was originally made by Hans Zimmer. Like if you take all those elements and then you bring them into a live performance, if you don't jo- like drop your jaw when you're in that experience because everything's coming together all at once, I don't know what else would It was to me, it was interesting because I just put so I like Chicago um, and Moulin Rouge and Phantom of the Opera. I love I love those. How I first got really introduced into musicals was like, yes, Michael did uh, theater when he was younger and I saw him in those theater productions. But what really hooked me was like the movies, musicals, Hello, Dolly, Singing in the Rain, uh, The Sound of Music, like all of those. So I really, really like movie musicals. and I was listening to those the other day specifically chicago it was just kind of on a mixed playlist and uh, there were songs in there from shows i had never seen before and i don't really have an interest in seeing but then i heard like one or two songs from them and they both gave me chills even though i had no context for anything in the show and i'm like what is happening right now why am I getting these goosebumps just from a song that I have no context about? I'm like, musicals have some sort of witchcrafty power, I swear. That's like, <laughs> and now here's the note that induces the goosebumps end. Yes, we're full fruition. Yes, we did it. Yes, yes. yes. So I don't know. I, I just really like the idea that, you know, you have such a music heavy uh, storyline and that can 
give you those chills that can create this, you know, response in you. And I, and I also kind of wondered, why is it that regular music doesn't do that? Sure, it does do that. There are music, there's regular songs that I'm like, ooh, this gives me tingles. Like, this is amazing. But for the most part, when you're listening to music on the regular, you don't really get tingles. Well, I think that music that you listen to on the regular may not be meant for tingle induction. Yeah. You know? How <laughs> dare. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I don't want to. I need new music. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you have every song is meant to invoke that specific emotion, then no song will. So I think you, you want songs that make you want to dance. You want songs that make you feel really sad. You want songs that that give you those chills when, you know, something comes together like magical about that moment you're listening to it in. I, I wouldn't I would say it's unfair to say that uh, songs don't or the songs aren't good. And I don't think that's what you're saying, but somebody help me. <laughs> um, I, I'm not saying you can't listen to a song if it doesn't give you chills. My thought process was just like. Why is it that I feel like every musical number I listen to, I get chills, but every song I listen to, I don't get chills? It's because it's all coming together. It's like, it's the set piece you're looking at. It's the writing coming up to that point. It's the composition. It's all designed towards making you feel one certain way. Whilst in like I would say modern day music, it's not always designed that way. It's designed how the artist feels about a certain subject. And that's their, how they're communicating, how they feel like through music. Uh, And sometimes not to make fun of, you know, most music out there. Sometimes it's just about sex. And you know what? Sex is fun when you're in the moment, not listening to music about the moment. I don't know. That's fucking boring. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, no, go ahead. What were you going to say, Mike? Sorry, I have, I have to go really quick. That's I'll be right back. interesting point. <sighs> Keep talking. It's fine. I'll jump in at some point. It's do, great. Do, do, do. No, I just thought it was interesting that like even songs that were completely out of context for me still gave me chills. That's what I found really interesting. I think one of the many, many reasons could be that a lot of times musicals each song is intended, like Tommy was saying, to convey emotion, and it's crafted that way, but it's it's really enhanced to convey a certain specific emotion so that even if you don't know the context, you still it still mm. comes across. Whereas a lot of times with songs you hear on the radio or, you know, wherever, it's not necessarily trying to convey emotion yeah. so much yeah. as an idea. And ideas don't evoke the same reaction as emotional yeah, exactly. intention does. Uh, well, I guess if Absolutely. it's pop songs, maybe just like horniness. Yeah, pop songs, just just <laughs> yeah, horniness like, or hype. You know, that's how I feel like most pop songs yeah. are. It's hype, but it's like non-directed hype. Like you get all pumped yeah. up, and excited. And you're <laughs> that's like, now pretty much what? it. Yep, I'm pumped uh, up and I'm yeah. horny. What do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know what I would do, but like, but if you're listening to that song like in the car you know what you home. have to do more you gotta do you only need one <laughs> hand for the steering wheel <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do you crank um, the radio up that's what we're talking about for our listeners yeah yeah crank then- it <laughs> that like that. so i just got back y'all talk about jerking off <laughs> uh, no 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 <laughs> That's 
freezing. He's gone for three <laughs> seconds. We're already talking about masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> not just masturbating. Not just public masturbation. Masturbation yeah. whilst they, they, driving. Listen, it's nothing it's against not the law. Public, the it's public. in your car. Yeah. Ooh, it is on private property. <laughs> <laughs> Private. Oh. No, Melissa, you're canceled. I'm sorry. Get out of here. It's okay. You can cut no, all of this. It in. No, we not. So but we're not. gonna leave the silence in, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes I do leave the silences <laughs> in because I just think it's fun. Actually, you need you need to put some cricket noises uh, in there. Sometimes. Tommy, can you make me some cricket noises so I don't have to look them up on like free? Whatever. I got you. Kaka. <laughs> I, was, I was about to do a pterodactyl scream. Damn it! What uh, what breed of cricket is that? American. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> there. What is. bird is that? That's the real question. A cricket. <laughs> no, a cacao would. Uh, I don't know. Actually, like a hawk, or no, uh, like a crow. The American hawk. There you go. Anyways, more people should listen to musicals. They're really nice. <laughs> the one I was specifically listening to that I really enjoyed, that I I didn't think I was going to enjoy, but it's actually way better than I thought, was Legally Blonde. It's actually an incredible musical. It is so good. And you think, like, ah, it's going to be just like a dumb musical based off of a, a dumb movie, whatever. No, no, it's really, really good. Yeah, that's it. That's all I have. <laughs> People are going to be checking their like phones going, wait, what? did it just stop playing? What's going on? Did it hit pause? <laughs> I won't leave that long of a pause. No, leave them all. Make them confused. No. Make them hate They're us. Like, this podcast isn't for me. Um, let's next. Oh, what's the other yeah. ones around here? Oh, the, it wouldn't have taken them an hour to figure that out. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> You're still with us. Thank you. Please don't go. And why? <laughs> yeah, also why. You know what you can do? You can tweet yeah, us like at 1L2N Productions. Let us know why. And I'll be mostly be like, I just like listening to nonsense because it makes me feel smarter. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's okay. Tell uh, your friends. I do think that with our talented capabilities uh we can or we should maybe attempt to try to write a musical it doesn't have to be right now we definitely are going point. to no there isn't no attempt there is we are going to this is my like veto where i say if anyone disagrees with me fuck you we are making a musical <laughs> all right i disagree with you wow. get the fuck out of here um, get out of here <laughs> so one thing i would like to do eventually is to have a live show if we can get stuff you know, popular enough. I, I would really like to take some of our our short uh, stories um, or sections of our stories, and you know, have an orchestra there um, performing music and have us read out like the narration for it, and maybe have people doing things. So it might be a, a musical in a slightly different sense of the word, where it's it's maybe not an entire story, but it would be more of like a live show performance that incorporates the ability to write and the ability to compose and perform um, and do technical aspects of it all in one, um, which I think would be a very interesting thing for us to go to. That reminds me of going to see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Uh, Amy, I don't know if you remember this aspect about them or not, but I went expecting just, you know, to hear the music like I've heard on the radio or their CDs or whatnot, but 
it's more than that. They also have performance, like vocal performance in there. So they have a guy that's up there with this huge big book and he's the narrator and he's telling a story and the music is carrying the story along and in between each song he's telling more about what is happening and the entire show is like this big story. What I remember from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra is that you guys didn't tell me we were going to see it. It was a surprise for like one of my birthdays, which was awesome, by the way. Thank you very much. Uh And your thought process is, oh, we'll tell her we're going to go see the cherry blossoms. I'm like, I've never seen the cherry blossoms, lived near D.C. my whole life. This is amazing. I absolutely want to go see the cherry blossoms. And we get there and I'm like, and you guys are like, hey, we're going to go see trans-siberian orchestra like surprise i was like that's amazing and i go wait are we not gonna see the cherry blossoms and you and the person we were with laugh at me and go you idiot the cherry blossoms have been out of season for a while now and i'm like so not only do i get bamboozled but also i get made fun of Amy, I would like to apologize to you for the deception, the confusion, the insult. Thank you. And the fact that I could not have anticipated how disappointed you would be that I <laughs> no, spent money I, on you. Well, okay. Take you Damn. to oh the Trans-Siberian Turned Turn around. <laughs> I appreciated it. I did enjoy myself <laughs> very much. And I think I thanked you profusely then. And I'm still thanking you profusely now. I was just like, I wanted to see the chair blossoms. And then you guys are like, you idiot. I was like, no. <laughs> the show was in July. It was I like, believe, just the- for reference, <laughs> the cherry blossoms are in like March, April. No, May, it was the end of May. Well, I thought cherry blossoms were usually in April, like early April. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like early April for cherry blossoms. But yeah. with all the things I've I been learning in school, it could be never. As all the plants <laughs> no, die. Don't. Oh, don't. Oh. Oh. Hey, for my environmental science class, I had to do a slide about uh, human effect on nature and specifically plants. One of the pictures I included was a picture I took of cherry blossoms blooming in November. Oh, this past November? Yeah. Uh, A few Novembers ago. So getting back to musicals, Missy, I like what you were talking about with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, where where he kind of has that sort of like narration going on like that, I think would be kind of really cool to have done. Um, like if we did a live show, I feel like, yeah, that would be along the lines of something that we could do and could really enjoy doing like between our storytelling and, and music creation. I feel like that would yeah. be right up our alley. But I also do think going to with what Tommy was saying, we should try to do a musical like a legit it's- musical. I, I would love to do it. Obviously, I was being like super aggressive for no reason, but. <laughs> no, there's a reason. Because you're always That's actually a very, no very reason, good Tommy. point. We're used to uh, it. But I, I've actually always wanted to create a musical, I feel like. And I want to just be a God tier composer first, and, which I'm very much so not. Because <laughs> I, I feel like. I well, feel like that's like the final God-tier. level, you know, of composing, or at least for me, is like make a musical. Because mm. there's so much going on in musicals sometimes. You're like, oh my gosh, there was like a key change, a tempo shift, and uh, that happened like four different times just in this one song. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> what? So I like, I want to know how to compose that, make it sound good, 
Well, I think with musicals, because of the fact that it is heavily story driven by music, you have to have someone who can compose, but also can storytell, which is why I think our group would be good at it because we have the storytellers, we have the music lovers and the composers. I I think that we could do a really good job at it. Maybe not right away, but in general. I I don't think we'd be good at it right away. I think it would be fun making it like right away. We, we notice, okay, here's like the million things we need to work on. But that being said, Mm. just taking time to do other things so that when it uh, that time comes where we want to make a musical it can be like oh yeah you yeah. know how to make music <laughs> so, so well, I, it's not gonna sound shit i, I do want to give some real world encouragement and discouragement i don't think that we would be good at making a musical how dare you um i think <laughs> that eventually we could be but thinking that just because we love music and just because we like this stuff does not make us on that level of writing a musical that's that's you know worthy of being listened to by an audience or anything i'm not saying that to say that we can't do it one day but there is such a hard aspect that you have to do there's so much that you have to work at and you know with the the stories that we're trying to tell right now if they suck we want to get better at them but at least we're trying but i don't think at least in my opinion if I start thinking like I am ready to write a musical or I can't, I know I have the talent to do it or anything like that, or I know that I would be good at doing it one day, then I think that is kind of all I need to 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 feel happy about my end product. I don't actually need to have a good product. I just need to know, oh no, I can do this. So I don't need to actually produce it. And it's a weird like psychological thing. The reason why See, I'm saying all this is for a very specific point. Just because you want to do something doesn't mean you have the talent to do it. At the same time, that doesn't mean you can't work towards that talent. And I think that's what we're all trying to do here is slowly gather ourselves, hone our skills, try to figure out what we like with storytelling, hopefully have the audience interact with us and give us some ideas and give us feedback on the projects that we make. And at the same time, we want to kind of encourage them because if you want to write a musical as a, you know an audience member that's awesome start writing it now and hone it and then eventually you know you might have something that's great in the future but um always know your skill level currently where it's at and then be able to extrapolate from there where you need to go to get to the point where you want to do your dream i know that was very long-winded and crazy he said you're shit until you're not no you you're shit unless you <laughs> work at it and I think that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Until you're not. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Well, I feel like Tommy was, yeah, I was feel like getting at that's that what I was, that's what I was idea. He said right from the yeah. beginning that he's like, I'm not, I know I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm terrible Absolutely. compared to what it needs to be, but this is something I would like to one day do. And the reason why I was saying that, though, is because I, I wanted to specifically contradict what Amy was saying, that we would be really good at writing a musical because we will not be good at writing a musical for a long time. And as long as we know that, I think that we can work on the stuff to possibly be one day okay at writing a musical. What I was trying to say was that I think that we have the ability to write one because of the fact that it's like, I feel like if if you're just good at music, okay, sure, you can write music for a musical, but it doesn't mean you can write musical. You also need that storyline. So what I was saying is like, we have the makings of a good drink. 
We just have to make the drink. See, I feel like we have like rail, like bottom shelf stuff, <laughs> and we are trying to enter a cocktail competition there. And I think that's what I'm trying to point out is we do not okay. have the talent to write a musical. And I think we should be open and okay with that. Like we should let our audience know as well. Like we don't have the talent, but we're going to try to figure it out. We're going to try to gain the talent so that then when we get the talent, we can try to figure it out all together. Because I think we're holding ourselves up higher than we should. I, I guess I wasn't trying to hold us up higher. I just was trying to say like... No, it, it all logically makes it. sense. Because we have everyone in the family in this like sibling group is musically inclined. And we all want to write more. Like We all have the ingredients to make a musical. They're just really, really, really fucking stale. So we're trying, we got to get some fresher ingredients, I guess, to carry on that analogy. Refined like, ingredients. I, 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 as opposed to the swill I definitely we feel like if, like, for example, a group was to make a musical, well, just, just a random group out there, we would have a better chance of making it because we're interested, already interested in these type of subjects. But obviously everyone needs to hone in on their, on their skills. Like, again, in, in my opinion, the musical is just like, a master craft it's something that you you have to be in the business for years and years and years before you can make one that's how i feel yeah it's it's a future goal but it's yeah still counts as a goal no I, I, and to i totally toward. agree that that's what and i'm something saying we want we, to we can have the 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 goal to work towards it and we can all want to do it but we i want to i wanted to, to i wanted to fight that idea that we would be good at it because we would not until we get yeah. to the point where we will be we would yeah, not we are we are yes, yes we are we, we cannot write a musical right yeah. now i mean we can it would be total shit and like nobody would want to listen to it and that would be the end of us trying to write musicals <laughs> but um it could be yeah, great practice be yeah practice. absolutely i just wanted to combat that that simple idea i just don't want to think of ourselves higher than we actually are I don't, but that, I don't think that that's where, what I was thinking of. I was just thinking, I was like, oh shit, we got the talent. Like we could do this. But that's a, I never said it was going to be amazing. But you see right I there, that, that idea of talent, like talent is something, I, I truly believe talent is not something that you're born with. Um, I think it's something that you work at quite a bit and. Okay. Maybe, maybe not talent. Yeah. Is maybe that's not the word I was looking for. Semantic. We have a diverse yeah. interest starting point to potentially pursue it one day since we're not just coming from music or just yeah. coming from writing because we have both I was just saying if we had a potential maybe that we should do it possibility for and, and, our the, future the reason why I'm saying all this is because if there's somebody out there that's like in the audience and they're like well I don't have the talent to do it I think that's that's like well yeah neither do we we don't have the talent to do it so what steps do we need to, to take to learn that ability and to get better at what we're doing before then we take on the task of doing the actual thing, which a lot of times is just doing the actual thing and making it poorly and then reiterating on it until it gets better while you learn the things that you did poorly. But, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that there wasn't there's no difference between us and the people that are in our audience right now. If they are listening to this and they are thinking that they want to create stories and they like the sort of stuff that we're talking about then they have the same ability that we do if they just start writing and they harness it and they figure out where they're weak, just like we need to do. So that's why I was trying to bring it to that level. Oh, okay. 
Okay, cool. I appreciate that. And hey, if anyone wants to write a musical, or if anyone wants to help us write a musical, contact us over at 1L2N Productions on Twitter. It's not going to be a good musical. That's not going to be good. (laughs) Writing a musical is going to take more than five people. So, hey, come join us. Casting now. (laughs) (laughs) For a project we'll start in 10 years. No, I mean, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, we are a bunch of you know, we're a bunch of idiots that just want to make stories. So like you're you guys listening are also idiots. And if you want to make stories. Wow. Too, you just insulted no, we're all our, idiots. our audience. No, we're, it's fine. No, it's a joke. There we That's go. Yeah. Idiots with us. <laughs> oh, we love you, audience. Disregard her, please. <laughs> you bunch of idiots. <laughs> Whom we love so much. Well, cool. I think we're I think we're wrapping it up here. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us today, and that includes you, listeners. We thank you the most. Uh, we really appreciate you using your time to listen to us, and uh, we really hope you enjoy all of our shenanigans. Uh, if you wanted to reach us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Reddit, we are One L Two N Productions, and we would love to hear from you. If you like what we're doing and you want to show your support for what we're doing, you can head on over to our Patreon. And the last word of the day goes to, and per my sister's advice, I don't know why I said sister like that, per Missy's advice, I actually got a dice and we've assigned each other numbers. So it's not just me picking out because picking is stressful. So let's see here. I'm going to roll the dice. Uh, Three, that's me. You're welcome. Recount. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. A recount. You can't recount a re- like a dice. It's just a re-roll. A recall. Recall. Oh, Missy, if you didn't say anything, that, that would have been the last word. Oh. The power Anyways. of editing. <laughs> the power of editing. <laughs> I don't know if that was a good last word or not. I don't even remember what I said. I kind exactly. of just blacked out there. Just as I do most the dice. Times. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, that that'll be it then. <laughs> no, no, no. You should, I'm sorry. You can give a last word. So go me and then go again. It's me. Number three is me. Um, I like taking naps, uh, whether they be half an hour, which is almost impossible for me, or like five hours long, which is usually the case. Uh, They're wonderful and amazing, and I've taken like five this weekend. Anyways, uh, everyone should take naps right now. Go to bed. Okay, love you guys. Bye. (laughs) Bye.